Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show, and you gotta give us that five-star rating. And as always, we talk judging in MMA. You should know the criteria. You can read it at abcboxing.com. Dan, I know we've had some really amazing cards in the last few weeks, uh, and and I feel like we've been a little bit spoiled. We've we've been at a very good time. Last week we had nine finishes and eleven uh, eleven fights, but Saturday it was a it was a bit of a slog. I mean, we had eleven fights. Ten of them were decisions. One one of them was, uh, was the five round distance. Thirty two scored rounds. That's a lot. There was just one first round finish, so that nothing scored there. But it was thirty two out of a possible thirty five rounds. That was a uh, that was a tough one. But we only had five rounds with any variance, and one of them was a an eight a nine split. So on the whole, the judges uh, they were up to the task of of the uh, the number of rounds thrown at them. Did a good job. They did. Uh, I mean, yeah, you only got what five out of thirty two. Any disagree? Five out of thirty-two, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's uh, uh, and when you're Pretty talking impressive. about if you talk about kind of four, uh, you know, disagreements over who won the round, and you're you're just talking about kind of the split round uh, element of that. That's a, a very low percentage uh, of it. They, so they did it. They had a very good success rate. This is this is better than usual. So hats off to all of the fine judges who worked the UFC Apex uh, show, which is which as of course we're up to UFC Vegas forty-three. Um, which is just such a great name for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but again, hats off to them. We'll get to uh, those contested rounds shortly, but as we do, we, we try to talk about kind of a little bit of the storylines coming off of this, things that are interesting to us. Uh, and, and I think we got to start with the, at the top with uh, Ketlin Vieira, who you know, she put on an impressive performance uh, against Misha Tate. It was a competitive fight. Uh, I think she clearly won just from, you know, passing the eye test standpoint, but she certainly won enough rounds. Uh, I thought probably a few of them were very close, but realistically, I think the judges, uh, they got four out of five that were on the same page, and I think that speaks to, again, the quality of the judging yeah. that we really had. Yeah. I, th- I think she, she started a little a little gun-shy early. Took her took her a while to, to kind of get comfortable in there. Maybe a little too much respect for Misha Tate, who Perhaps she clearly so, yeah. ha- has great admiration for. That's um, true, yes. You wonder if it was something along those lines. It's hard to say, but I mean, she still got the job done. She basically, it came down to Misha threw probably just a little bit more and landed just a little bit more. But when Ketlin Vieira landed, she landed with much more force, much yeah, more impact, yeah. greater yeah. effect uh, on the strikes. So ultimately, a lot of those rounds, it was it was much easier to give mm-hmm. uh, to Vieira than it was to give to Tate. So kudos to her as well. I'm throwing kudos everywhere. I'm going to stop saying kudos. Uh, I, I should. It's just, it's getting overused. Uh, congratulations, salutation. I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> here's the question, though. Ketlin Vieira, should she be thrown in uh, with the champ next, or, or are we still going to give her one more fight? I mean, I think you can put her in there now. I would. I prefer others to go first. But who? I would. Who? Who's the others you're speaking of? That's who I'm curious about. I mean, about. Irina Aldana. I don't, I'd like, rather see her fight there first. Uh, I mean, I, I also think Holly Holmes the only one that's going to has a chance to upset Nunez, so but she already lost to her. So I yeah, I, I don't really see that. <laughs> I think I think she's the only one that has a uh, composed a threat. I mean, Vieira has power, but I still think she gets wrecked. So I yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure she would do 
that well yet. It would be nice to see her get a little bit more seasoning under her belt. I've I've been interested in Vieira as a prospect for a while though, so it's nice to see her kind of get to this point and put on a good performance. Uh, but I mean, we're also talking as if it's a foregone conclusion that Amanda Nunes is going to beat Juliana Pena next month. I I mean, it certainly feels that way to me, but we still have to let that fight play out. You know? Yeah, I'll 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 say she won. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but you know, what about Misha Tate? You know, because obviously. The, she, you know, she, the, she wore uh, the effects of the striking coming from Vieira by the end. Her eye was pretty blown up. Um, but all, overall, like she, obviously she didn't win. And I think you even you could probably make a minority case that she could have won some of the rounds that were unanimous even for her. I still think it's very clear that she lost this fight. What does that mean for her in her path to kind of trying to get back to the title after five years away from MMA? Do you think this is this is the nail in the coffin, or do you think no. it's just a stumbling block? I mean, she's, I don't think she's probably going to reclaim the title unless Nunez isn't the champ. Okay. Um, but even I think so even to get back to, let's say, a title Just get to shot, the title fight. You know? uh, I mean, I guess this was just her second fight back. She had cardio. She, she went hard all five rounds. Sure, and that so doesn't that's... surprise me. I was more surprised in Vieira being able to go five rounds hard. I was I, I was seeing the same thing DC was seeing. I was he, she was lean and really. I mean, if someone threw a left high kick to her, I mean, it might be lights out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets. Think the, things need to be cleaned up. Yeah, I mean, if she gets to the wrestling quicker. I believe she she can get closer to the top. Well, I know from I mean, well, I know from speaking with her that she really was not training MMA like at all the last five years. So it's not like she was even in the gym like keeping up with kind of things a little bit. She's really still kind of a work in progress, uh, like coming down to this calendar year. So I'm not surprised that there's still kinks to work out here. Maybe she can't work them out. I don't know. Uh, that will that remains to be seen. But I will say it's definitely not the nail in the coffin. Um, but it, it's a setback. It's, of course, a setback in terms of, of that trajectory. She seems to only be giving herself a couple years to get there. So she probably can't afford too many more of these. On the path, you know, she's probably got to put together at least a couple wins next uh, if she's going to try and get there, right? Well, yeah, you have to win. Oh, yes, you have to well, win. Usually, she's probably got to do Usually it. you have to win. What? This is also true. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go down that road. But I, I think what I really mean is that she probably needs to do it in some sort of expedient manner. She can't just, like, probably one more loss could just make it really tough. Everyone should take a book out of Kevin Holland's playbook, and that's just fight. Take a page out of the book. Yeah, just say, hey. Okay, I'll fight every two months. Or Lupi Godinez. Because this is my job. Who who went out there and got a 30-27, all three, and they were talking to her in the corner about you know fighting next she, week, and it's like, oh, no, there's there's no fights next week. She should have fought next week, though. Maybe she will. Maybe she'll just go the find Lupi someone show. who's like, yeah, yeah, like maybe just uh, find somebody who's a little you know hungover from uh, the tryptophan in the turkey and just pound on her. She, she's definitely one of your gals, isn't she? She, wait, she keeps this up, yeah. Oh, she's got to be. Come on, right now. Well, as of right now, I said, yeah, she is. But yeah. I mean, sometimes people start hot and then they're like, "Nah, I'm only gonna fight once or twice a year." And it's like, yeah, I'm only gonna go to work once or twice a week. You're very much. What have you done for me lately? Aren't you? Just keep it up. I mean, unless you got a legit injury, I'll show a little uh, lenience. Well, I know everyone's looking for the Dan Urban seal of approval, so they should. <laughs> uh, Speaking of seal approvals, there is a fighter who had your seal of approval for basically the duration of this show. He still has it. As, as he's been rising to uh, through the ranks and now has become like a legitimate welterweight contender, and that is Sean Brady, who came through, got the win over Michael Chiesa by decision. Uh, you, however, after hyping him I... for, again, the duration of the couchside judges, which goes back almost two years, you pick against him in his biggest spot. I didn't. I got it right. 
you did, but eat uh, that. I think this fight is a case to be made that all fights should be five rounds. <laughs> um, and Michael Chiesa, he, he he did what I thought he was gonna do. Uh huh. I didn't think he'd be as dominated as he was on the on the ground. I thought he'd you know be able to not have that happen to him. Honestly, this was it played uh, out the way I really thought it was gonna play out. I have to say. And he got going just a little too late. Um, yeah. Brady did. He had a really two good rounds. He's still one of my favorite 170 pounders. Probably the one like in that division guy that who I would actually really root for. Mm. Uh, I think in due time, we probably see him challenge or at least be a contender for Hamzat's uh, title. Oh, okay. So, we're, we're already scripting this out. I get you. Yes. Uh, here's here's the thing. I, this win, it was, so uh, in the UFC's rankings, which... They are what they are. Um, I'm not a big fan of them, but the UFC obviously utilizes them to some degree. Uh, people do as well. So we'll talk about them in that respect. Sean Brady came into this as uh, the 14th ranked welterweight. Michael Chiesa was number six. This, in theory, would push Sean Brady far up the ranks ahead of Chiesa. And I don't think you could ding Chiesa too much because he should be ahead of, I want to say, who who was it that was, who was right behind him? I can't remember. But there was a reason why I don't think Chiesa drops too much in the rankings. I think probably you get Jorge Masvidal moves up to six. And I think Sean Brady might even debut uh, next week at seven. I'd like to see that's that. Just, that's kind of a guess there. And based on that, I mean, that puts him in the conversation for some big fights next. He's not too far off of being a potential title contender. Do you think that he fights for a title in 2022, Dan? Yes or no? Depends who has the belt. If Usman has the belt, no shot. Um, Why? Because of the no-name value or what? I think he's going to pick who he wants to fight. Say, no, I, I, it's got to be you know someone that's going to sell pay-per-views. I think there's probably a, so, a lot of that for him. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't think he's going to fight three times next year. No, he's, probably he's been, not. He's been talking that he kind of just wants to, you know, ride off into the sunset. So well, he fought three times this year. Right. I don't think he does it two years in a row. We'll see. Unfortunately, probably not. But but we'll see. If Hamza's the champ, if he gets the belt next, he'll defend it every week. He's a fighter's fighter. He's my kind of fighter. I mean, we'll see what he does when the. Here's the thing. So, Here's the thing, Dan. And this is something you I think you don't really give of attention to is the fact that the UFC doesn't want these guys fighting four times a year. They don't want to pay them that much four times a year. Well, that's their loss. Yes, but again, it's not in the fighter's control. Some of these guys right. would fight that often, and the UFC kind of just stops it. Mm, I, I don't. I got to give more blame to the fighter. <laughs> okay. the 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 way I feel as far as Sean Brady though is, I I don't think that he would fight for the title next year because I do think he's going to start hitting a little bit of a wall uh, with that upper echelon. There, you know, he's going to have to fight in a, probably a, a main event. That's what he wants next. A main event would be five rounds. If he doesn't get a finish, then he's got to get all the way through. And we saw him more or less get very tired after two rounds. He's got a lot of muscle. He's kind of thick like that. I wonder if he's going to be able to to hang when he starts to get in those, you know, the top tier guys. I, what if he's fighting like a Gilbert Burns or something, you know? To be honest, I don't think he he was gassing. Um, in little insider info, I've been told his gas tank is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was hurt. Okay. In this fight with Chiesa, more so than he was tired. It's possible. Uh, I, I don't. Maybe someone like Burns, because Burns is really, really good on the ground. They get into a grappling exchange. That'd be interesting. That, that would be that an interesting be, fight. That'd be fun. But I think, I mean, right? Did, did they rebook Jorge in Jorge Masvidal? Edwards? No, no, that has not been officially rebooked in any form yet. Yeah, so so do Brady Masvidal. Brady will win that fight. No, Masvidal's not taking that fight. Hey, you got to fight. Where you're ranked six, guys are gonna be seven. 
I don't believe Jorge okay. Masvidal sees the world through that lens, though. All right. I'm just saying. that's We're being real here. Uh, but here, I'm being real, too. I don't believe Jorge Masvidal is the number six welterweight. I don't necessarily disagree, so, but also he can command a lot of money. Meh. And I don't think he's going to get the, the thing that he would desire from fighting Sean Brady. No offense. He'd lose, but he probably would. I, I'm so. not even. I wouldn't even disagree with that. But I just I can't see 2022 lining up where Jorge Masvidal fights Sean Brady at all. I can't see it. Well, we should start treating this like more like a sport, not like a whatever it is now. I agree wholeheartedly. So. But no one ever listens to me. They should. They should. I agree. Everyone listen to me. You and technically a, you are, actually. You get if, you're, a if you're listening to the show, you're hearing me, so that's good. You get a schedule, this is when you fight. <laughs> there are other promotions who do that, sir. They should do. Anyway, we should move on to contested rounds. We don't have too many of them, uh, like we mentioned. Even though, again, a lot of rounds up there. Not kudos to the judges, but uh, nicely done, uh, sirs and madam. We have to start, though, with the one fight that was a split decision and the one fight that started to get people all antsy-pantsy on uh, social media. I, I was expecting that. I mean, I didn't see it. But <laughs> you, I, I, you weren't watching the social media it, play out, but you knew I mean, it was it, happening. Yeah. Adrian Yanez is a, a social media. He's loved all over. So, Well, also, I, you know, yeah, the fight we're talking about is, of course, Adrian Yanez getting the win over Davey Grant. It was two 29-28s for him, but also a 30-27 for Davey Grant. Uh I think that's the reason why everyone freaks out because you have two scores one way and then you've got this wildly different score the other way. Uh, and I think it's probably more that than Adrian Yanez being well-liked. But, I mean, you're probably not too far off to at least include that as part of the equation. But yeah, people people were freaking out. I didn't get to watch that fight live, to be honest, either. I had to watch it um, later. It was uh, quite a day uh, with my other duties at work Yeah, on a Saturday, so I had to catch up with everything later. But... After I watched this, man, I I couldn't believe everyone was crazy about this fight like this. But let, so let's dive in though. Round one and round three are are varied rounds, uh, and Tony Weeks is the one who gave that thirty twenty seven score. So he's he's the minor, uh, he's the out judge on both of these rounds. So what happened in round one first, Dan? Well, they both threw like ten kicks each in like the first thirty seconds. I whole, was like, whole oh, lot of kicks. Goodness, yep, gracious. I the, thought Grant's were better, though. Yeah, to the leg, to the body. They, well, David Grant was throwing harder. Yeah. With everything. Uh, except for the front kick to the stomach. He, that was more like a more cumulative impact than, than it was going to be immediate. Mm. Uh, he landed a couple good leg kicks that kind of, you know, off-balanced Yanez uh, off his feet. But I thought Yanez, as the round went on, he was landing better to the head. He cut Grant over the nose. He uh, wobbled him later in the round. His counters were really strong. I thought it was pretty clear for Yanez. So that's why I scored it for him, 10-9. I don't know if I thought it was too clear for Yanez, but I did see it that way for him. I, I did give him the round. I think that there was enough uh, with the kicks and, and the way that Grant was landing very well with them that I thought and better than I thought the Yanez was that at least you could kind of see a case for Grant. I still saw it for Yanez, and I feel good about the score, but close but clear is, I guess, probably the way I would go with it. All right. So, you know, I sided with uh, our two judges who saw it. Uh, the Yanez scores the 29-28. That was Eric Colon and Junichiro Camillo. So, again, Judge Weeks was the one who saw this for Grant. I don't think it's crazy, though. I, I don't think this is as bad a score as a lot of people were because we're, we're talking about a pretty competitive round. And again, I mean, it, well, it was definitely competitive. And the thing, too, is you got to remember when, when you're sitting there live, things like kicks especially, it's much easier to get a read on how much they how, how hard they're landing than they are on mm. TV. You know, if you're sitting right up next to the cage, it's a different feel. 
Yeah. So I can understand that. And, and the funny thing is, too, everyone everyone would probably look at Tony Weeks and be like, oh, he's a boxing judge. He's a boxing guy. Comes from boxing. And who did he give it to? Not the one everyone was raving about as the best boxer in the UFC. God, I mean, I don't Just even know where that's, I don't know where that's even coming from. I don't know uh, either, but but people are saying that, you know? The, well, that's I, that's the love for Adrian Yanis. I thought that, I saw Bilal Muhammad said yes, that. Yes, that was Bilal like, Muhammad. Calm down, guy. You're, now you're talking like Joe Rogan mentioning <laughs> you. A couple weeks ago, still in that division. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that was a little silly that people got too worked up about this one because I didn't think it was that crazy. Round three, I think, was even closer than than the first round. Uh, but why don't you talk about round three? What yeah, happened? I thought this was a really close round. I mean, at least for the first three minutes or so. Grant landed really big combos, and I thought he was definitely ahead. But, you know, as the round went on, Yanez kept landing, and Grant started to miss. Yanez was rolling away. The impact was lessened. Yanez did really well countering solid punches. You know, he made Grant miss, like I said. Uh, I can see the argument for Grant because he didn't have a bad round. He had a lot of success, especially early. Both of them had a lot of success Um, is really what it comes down to. I just think Yanez was a little bit better. 10-9 for him. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, But again, I saw this. I thought this was very, very close. Not quite coin toss level, but I, I, I was, you know, at least you're sitting there saying, man, Grant had a really good round. He did. He did have some good offense in there. Each of them landed, according to UFC stats, more than 40 significant strikes in the round, too. So anytime you're talking about the level of of striking on both sides getting that high, it's a lot of information to evaluate for a judge. It's a terribly hard job to, to go through like that, unless you have really big strikes coming one way and then the other way they're, they're I don't want to say even pitter-patter, but say like less impact, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he definitely ballooned up that ear. He did, he did. That ear looked like it was ready to pop. Yeah, and then they ended up draining it, and uh, I believe uh, Yanez was saying after the fight, uh, in kind of the post-fight stuff they were doing with the UFC broadcast, that, yeah, that wasn't a fun thing. They brought out the big guns as far as the uh, syringes mm. to, to drain that. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't see where all the fuss is about this fight, other than the fact that it's the optics of having you know, two judges give it to one person and then the other judge giving all three rounds to the other one instead. And we get that. Like, I get it. It, it doesn't look great, but sometimes it happens. This was a close, close fight. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, it just looks bad. It's, that's what I'm saying. So, it's, it's, it's the optics of it. It's not necessarily that it was a... I mean, it was, I mean no one can go say, no, Yanez blew him out. No, There's certainly no shot not. At that. Absolutely not. It was, it was a good fight first off, and the right person won. And I can understand the scorecard. It's just not that big a deal. Yep. But I think probably a lot of that has to do with my, if I were to guess, I actually thought it had a lot to do with the fact that people are just getting very antsy that we're sitting through a lot of decisions and, <laughs> and things like that. But at this point, I think it was the sixth consecutive decision. We, we ended up having one or two more after that before we finally got a finish. And, and yeah, I think people were probably just like, come on, <laughs> just, just, just knock them out. Just get something done. I imagine there was a little bit of frustration there. So we'll chalk it up to that and move on to uh, the one round that we alluded to earlier in the main event between Ketlin Vieira and Misha Tate because the scores were 48-47 twice and a 49-46 for Vieira. Round three was where we had the variance. So why don't you talk about uh, what ha- what's happened in this round, sir? Yeah, it was, it was a very slow round up until that eye poke. I, I mean, I don't even know if there's any edge either way. Maybe a slight edge to Tate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but after the eye poke, you know, picks up Vera's landing with much more pop. Her jabs feel uh, much stronger than anything Misha's landing. 
I don't see it for Tate. I think Vieira is landing really good combos. It's it's evident. I mean, on her face because everything Vienna's landing is is just heavy. So she's just landing harder throughout these fight th- these rounds here. Absolutely. Um, I felt good about giving this one to Vieira. I don't think it's crazy to go the other way because again, Misha Misha is is having some good offense of her own. But I do think the the best score from my viewpoint, sitting in my uh, on my couch watching it the next day knowing the scores and everything like that and evaluating it that way. I saw it for Vieira too, which is, uh, again, the same as you, the same as Junichiro Camillo, uh, a fine Nevada-based judge. We had Sal D'Amato and Mike Bell see it for Tate, though, and, you know, not to discount their scores because they are two of the best that we have. This is basically my dream team here. Bell, D'Amato, Camillo. This, this is like my all-star team here uh, as far as the judges that we see in North America, especially, but we saw it the same way as Junichi Camillo alone. And, uh, what does that mean for, for, uh, Mr. Camillo? That's a couch side over. <laughs> Congratulations. Good for you, sir. Your, your, uh, your prize is in the mail. Hmm. It's not moving on. We have two more rounds to go through. One of them is a 10, eight, 10, nine situation, sir. Pat Sabatini got the victory over Tucker Lutz in a no doubter. Two thirty twenty sevens and one thirty twenty six are round two. Is the ten uh, eight potential here? So why are we talking about this as a potential ten eight there? Well, I mean, this is five minutes of domination. Gets a quick takedown straight to half guard. Very quick. Tucker Lutz does the classic lockdown to prevent from being passed, but not using it offensively. The that's classic... called a Fontana move, actually. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I used to use that on uh, on one of our our fine fellow jujitsu friends. Back in the day, and then ultimately he would overpower me and uh, Kimura me, and it wasn't, it was not fun. Oh, that's good. But yeah. uh, but I, I love the man; he's a great man. So you just classic Scott Fontana, bottom <laughs> half guard when you're tired, not wanting to deal with someone's top pressure. I'm just gonna hold you here. Yep. Wait till the clock runs out. I like it. I, I still felt the top pressure. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> uh, eventually, Sabatini does pass. He passed the side, land a little bit of ground and pound. Then he attacks the tight guillotine, sweeps to mount. Lands some more ground and pound from there, forcing the back of Lutz. Tacks a couple rear nakeds, some decent punches mixed in. I think it's easy 10-8. Yeah, I feel very, very, I think we're very secure to give this one a 10-8 for Sabatini for all the reasons you outlined. I mean, this there's, we're talking about, you can check out dominance for for sure, duration for sure. Now, nowadays you do need damage. I think it's grappling damage. I think you have the damage from, from the choke attempt. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I yeah. think this is a 10-8. I think it's a modern 10-8. And, and so that puts us on the same page as Eric Cologne. Uh, unfortunately, we did not have unanimity there. We had two judges, Doug Crosby and Adelaide Bird. So this is just a 10-9. I guess I can understand. It. It's really just, you know, on your interpretation of damage. Um, and I know Judge Crosby sometimes has his own evaluation of the way things work. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. But, uh, Dan, we're, we're on the same page as uh, Mr. Cologne. What does that mean for him? Uh, it's a couch side over. <laughs> Good job, Jersey. There we go. And the last one uh, was possibly the most meaningless round of the entire uh, card because nothing really happens in this round, more or less, for a little while. And uh, and it was kind of locked up anyway between Luana Pinheiro and Sam Hughes, which was our curtain jerker. We didn't know how many decisions we were getting at this point, so still early on. But we had two 30-27s and a 29-28. Round three is the split. That, again, didn't matter. But, Dan, real quick, what happens in this one? Yeah, uh, Pinera opened the round with a huge flurry, but after that, it was pretty much, she was kind of on her horse a bit, like, I know I got it in the bag, let me throw a strike here, I'll throw a strike there. 
Referee Mark Smith, I, I believe at one point you can even hear him say, like, they got to do something. Yeah, I mean, Hughes, Hughes was landing some, but, you know, not not so immediately impactful strikes, like, you know, just jabs and, you know, some small leg kicks. Right. Uh, Pinheiro landed a bit heavier, but, you know, she's definitely not that active, like, as you're pointing out with Mark Smith telling him, like, come on, let's do something. Yeah. I, I really think she was just trying to make it to the end of the fight safely. I mean, I can see the argument someone would make for Hughes, but I, I'm on Pinheiro here, 10-9. Yeah, I don't really have a very strong feeling with this about this round period. I don't know if it was just because I know that it had no impact on the uh, result of the fight or the fact that realistically neither one of them like took the round. Mm-hmm. I would say I think if you want to say somebody was actually pushing for the round, I do think Sam Hughes was at least pushing in the latter part of the round to try and take it or try and get something. Just I don't do something. She needed a finish realistically, yeah. and I think she knew that, but it really wasn't coming with what she was doing. Nonetheless, I did agree with you. I thought Pinero probably still did enough to take it, uh, but not very definitively. I can see why it split. I can see why Mike Bell maybe went uh, the way of Hughes, but I saw it the same way as you. I saw it the same way as Eric Colon and Natalie Bird. So this is, uh, we're sticking with the majority here. <laughs> Is what it is, uh, and that is uh, that is it for this card. I mean, we and again, usually we talk about our favorite finish. We don't have any choices, sir. Well, I do have. I have a choice. Oh, you actually. do. Of course, yeah. you do. What? What, Mister Outside the Box? What is your choice here? My choice is a, a foresight finish. It sees me finishing multiple Thanksgiving plates on Thursday. <laughs> so you're looking ahead. Yes, that what? will be. That's my favorite finish of the weekend. But, sir, we haven't gotten to that weekend yet. Right, you're, you're getting I, too far ahead. I'm like Doctor Strange. I could see it. All right. Well, we're going to, at least for me, I'm going to back it up and talk about the actual finish that okay. we've had in, in the, the one fight that finally did get a stoppage, <laughs> uh, which was very exciting. Did I they mean, get so all the bonus? I actually didn't see what the they bonuses were. They should got all the bonus money. I wonder... <laughs> I wonder if they actually just withheld the bonuses. I could see that happening. Um, I actually should double check. Dan, real quick, pull that up. Let's let's find out. I'm curious who they would give the the um, bonuses to. I would say Pat Sabatini probably deserves something. I think he had a good he had a performance good, yeah, he overall. Uh, Taylor Santos cashes alone performance of the night bonus. No, is there a fight of the night? Let's see if was there a fight of. I mean, Misha and. and- yeah, it wasn't a bad fight. I thought it was a solid so, fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was a barn burner, but it was a solid fight. Okay, so they probably got one of those $25,000 bonuses that you, you... What did? That fight? Yeah. They, so it, was they, there no fight of the night? There's no fight of the night. It's just... It's just uh, they only gave out 50000 50, Well, 50, then the other ones they don't disclose. So No, I mean, I know how that works. Dana, yeah. was, Dana, Dana told me. I'm the right, one who broke yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Um. That was uh, uh, no, no. That was that was poor. A fight. There was a fight night. Yanez, oh. Yanez and Grant. Okay, yeah, that was a good so. fight. Yeah, I mean, that was a really good fight. But so only one really performance of the night. Hopefully, she got all hundred thousand. Well, it they, says they only got fifty here, but maybe they said, "Hey, thank you for at least getting us finished." Uh, as Dana has spoken about, they they have a budget for uh, these certain things. So and, and Terrence McKinney was upset that he wasn't. That his fight got scrapped because he thinks true. he could have gotten the bonus easy. Terrence McKinney so. was was supposed to be on this, and I don't think we even noted him on our uh, on our preview for this one. But I I, I that was an oversight. I was very interested to watch him mm. uh, in his second UFC outing. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. His I believe his cornerman, one of his cornermen, got COVID or tested positive for COVID, so he yeah. wasn't able to uh, compete. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, just go get vaccinated, everybody. Anyway, that's my that's my soapbox there. Let's talk about the real quick though the actual finish, which was again Tyler Santos, like you mentioned, tapping out Joanne Wood, nay Calderwood, with a rear naked choke at the end of round one. Uh, I I thought that was interesting because it, it looked like obviously she was in position uh, Santos to get 
the choke. It didn't really happen. Wood was able to get out, but then she slides the other arm under there and is able to kind of slip it right under the chin. It looked like for a while it was going to be just a, like kind of a jaw, uh, you know, pressure type of choke. And, and sure enough, she was able to slip it under and that was the end. Keep going. You can choke around the jaw. No, of course you can, yeah, but so it didn't. It didn't matter. It didn't happen didn't, that didn't way. Didn't need to. I think if you keep on the offensive, that means the other person's gonna have to be keep being defensive. Mm-hmm. So, so credit to Santos. That was that was nice pursuit of the finish. I like that. It's a good win. You know what? What my other favorite finish of the weekend was though, like legitimately. Oh, the end of the uh, card, <laughs> and and not too. not just because it, I mean, again, I thought it was a decent overall. I think we had some decent action, but it was just long. It was a lot of a lot of stuff going on, <laughs> uh, and also it does mean two weeks before UFC we do get a respite for Thanksgiving weekend, uh, which is always nice. I, I look forward to the little breaks in the schedule because it really makes you appreciate, I think, more what else is to come because it yeah. can be it can be uh, a pretty relentless uh, I mean, drive of these fights. It's a holiday I look forward to. I mean, I my I, wife loves Thanksgiving. I I don't envy Rob Font or Jose Aldo or, or any of the fighters fighting. In two weeks. Oh, the ones who have to skip out on Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's rough. You know, I was, when I interviewed uh, Sarah Alpar back in uh, September, it was actually on Labor Day, I, I spoke with her. and <laughs> Actually, with, with Jose Aldo, he wouldn't celebrate Thanksgiving, would he? I don't know. I mean, not in Brazil. Not in Brazil, But right? yeah. if he's here, maybe somebody he would here, wanted to invite him to yeah. Thanksgiving if he was happening to be I would invite here. Jose Aldo to Thanksgiving. I would, but he would decline in this particular instance, because what's he going to do? Sit there and stare at food? I would offer him water. I'm sure he would have the water. But anyway, I was talking to Sarah Alpar earlier this year, right in September, and it was it happened to be on Labor Day, and I was asking her, "How's your Labor Day?" You know, she's got a she's got a, a daughter and a husband, and she's like, "Well, I'm cutting weight and everything, so I can't really do too much." But it was nice. <laughs> it was like, "Oh, that's too bad. It <laughs> stinks." Uh, always, always fun. Yeah, a shame yeah. to hear about missing out on on festive food-driven holidays, which are basically holidays. That's why you should be more motivation to be like, hey. I skipped out on an awesome day. I'm going out and grabbing that 50000 I'm making it worth it. I'm sure everybody thinks that. Then you get into the cage. It's a different story, sir. Bring a chair. <laughs> anyway, we don't have, like I said, there's no UFC next week. There's no Bellator next weekend. We got Thanksgiving. That's all we're thinking about. But when they come back in two weeks, Saturday is UFC. Like you mentioned, Rob Font and Jose Aldo at Bantamweight. Nice headliner. But the night before, Bellator also has a nice... 135-pound headliner here, Sergio Pettis and Kyoji Origuchi. Do you remember Origuchi? I don't know how much you I followed him since he left the UFC. He was in He was in the game. I remember he always gave me fists <laughs> in the, in the one UFC game. Like, come on. I, I could beat this guy. Origuchi. I, I don't know if you remember, was, sir, but he, he, is a, he is an absolute, legit, like, world-class, potential best 135-pounder in the world. And he was really good at 125, too. He wasn't in the tournament, was he? That was Ian McCall, Demetrius. Oh Johnson, no, no, you're uh, thinking of uh, Yasuhiro Ushitani. Okay, that was a long time ago. Uh, I think at that point, Oraguchi was just a kid. Although I, okay. I want to say Oraguchi might have even fought uh, Ushitani at one point in their careers. I may be wrong mm-hmm. there, but no, Oraguchi is incredible, sir. I think he's gonna go in there, and I think he's gonna maul. Sergio Pettis. I think he's going to finish him. I think he's going to claim that Bellator belt, and it's going to give a lot of legitimacy to the Bellator 135-pound belt again. I mean, Pettis has looked pretty good, though. Since no, no question. And, and, you know, this is a measuring stick. If if Oraguchi goes in there and he doesn't look particularly great against Pettis, and I, I do I respect Pettis, but I still think he's not quite 
uh, upper tier at 135 pounds. I mean, we saw him at 135 pounds in the UFC. It wasn't that long ago, and I was not. I've never been particularly impressed with him there. Mm-hmm. I think he's better off at 125 as long as the cut isn't too um, gross for his body. And Bellator's still against 125. Yeah, they don't do 125 so. pounds. And I mean, okay, if that's what they're gonna do. But yeah, I think Oraguchi is somebody who legitimately, if he was put in there against Peter Yan, who I consider to be the best under 35 pounder in the world, I wouldn't count him out. I really wouldn't. Mm. He is a legit 135-pounder, and I I could possibly be more interested in that fight that weekend than the Rob Font-Jose Aldo fight, and I'm very interested in that one, too. This is a high compliment. Well, you know what? I will not be at any stores shopping on Friday night, so maybe I will tune in. Well, that's no, that's the next week. Both of them are, are the weekend oh, after. Oh, that, We're talking oh, about the first week of December. I am so silly. That's all right. Now, we get a break next week. Nothing well, you know, to do. I won't be shopping that night either. Oh, so, all right. <laughs> hey. It works. There you go. <laughs> and that does it for us. We are back uh, after Thanksgiving. We'll, we'll have something to talk about, probably a little bit of preview. Maybe we'll do a uh, maybe a, ca- a, a past judgment. We haven't done that in a while, sir. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something we'll out. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll even have a guest. We, we should look into getting a guest on. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, everybody, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy that turkey. Whatever you do, just have fun. Be healthy. Gobble, gobble.